Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of the Restoring Report podcast. I'm super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a show about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. Today, we're going to be continuing with the series that we started last week. We're going to be reviewing Matt Walsh's video entitled How to and Not to Date to Get Married. This is going to be the second half of that video review. So if you have not listened to the first half, please go do so through the any podcast platform you listen through. Listen to last the last episode that we did. Otherwise, this won't make, make much sense. You'll be picking up in the middle of the video. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. You're building sandcastles during high tide. It's all going to be washed away before it can be finished. You're making a series of bad emotional investments pouring yourself into one leaky container after another. It's no wonder that marriage rates are plummeting. People are exhausted by romantic relationships and jaded by the whole enterprise before they even reach 25 years old because they've been betrayed and heartbroken and dumped and humiliated enough for 50 lifetimes. Dang, that's so true. Let me tell you something, guys. One of the reasons I think the uh, romance situation of Generation Z is struggling is because we are so bad at it, we are so bad. We are very unhealthy in regards to how we relate to the opposite sex that um, we're so much so that we actually we've had so many poor experiences by the time we reach 25 years old that marriage is not even a consideration for us because, right, that could only be worse. That's actually binding your life to somebody. It's probably only going to end in divorce, you know, that type of thinking. Well, the good news for you is your life doesn't have to be that way, <laughs> you know, just because it's common for relational dysfunction to have a foothold in, you know, young people's lives doesn't mean it has to be so with you. You can invest in your uh, knowledge. You can invest in your um, health as a future spouse. You can build, guys, anything, anything worth doing takes practice, right? Anytime you're good at something, it's because time has been put into it. It's because you put time into it. If you want to have a healthy relationship, put time into building it and building it up, right? I mean, that's the only way to do it. So one one way you're doing that is by listening to this show. You're investing in your future relationship with your spouse. You're investing in um, your relationship with your future family. And for that, I thank you, and they will as well.
So thank you so much for doing that. And um, you're just doing, you're making a good move. That's what happens when you take the courtship out of dating. Only solution is to put it back in. I mean, really forget about dating completely, in fact. Replace dating with courting. Don't waste your time on people who have no goal for their relationship. Because marriage should always be the desired endpoint. Courting is the trial period, the interview process that both partners are undergoing. Okay, here I would disagree and agree with him. So he just talked, he just, that was, this is actually the first solution, I believe, in this entire video that he's offered. Uh, last week was kind of a prognosis. So the first half of his video is a, is a prognosis. And I imagine the second half here is going to be, uh, his solution, his offered solution. And what, what I've just been really amazed with is this is almost exactly in the middle. So he really cut his video down the middle and did one half diagnosing the problem and the second half providing a solution, which is just brilliant on the end of Matt Walsh. So props him for doing that but i would disagree with him a little bit that courtship is the quote-unquote interview process courtship is actually what i would argue should be more like engagement if you're still trying to find out if somebody gets the job in a sense if you're tr still trying to find out if somebody is the person you want to marry uh you should still be in the friendship phase right because again i, I think on this show we really need to and, and you don't even have to call it friendship but you do not need to be courting you do not, you not, do not need to have labeled it. You don't need to have moved into that committed relationship because once you do that, that's when I argue that it should be permanent. Look, if you're wanting to minimize the chance of heartbreak as much as possible and actually honor your word and back up what you say and do what, say what you mean and mean what you say, then you don't need to enter a committed relationship that you're not prepared to stay in. Okay. So what I would say you should do is go out on dates with somebody. If you're, if they're still in the interview process, if you're, they're, you're still finding out if they're uh, somebody that you would like to marry, somebody that um, would work well with you. Um, you should just be going out with them, spending time with them, getting to know them, uh, that kind of thing. Once you've entered a defined courtship where the families are involved, uh, you're public, um, you know, there's accountability involved. You've socially declared yourself to the world. So there's that accountability. Um, even if it's not accountability, it's just you've socially announced something. What, what have you announced? And that is the fact that you are now committed, right? You are, it's now something serious. Some people refer to it as going steady, quote unquote. I refer to it as a committed relationship. So if you're, if you're courting, I think what he means by courting here is just really going on dates with people. But I would say you, it's really important to, there's a point when after you've done that, you need to define the relationship, uh, basically say what it is. And once you've done that, that needs to be a, a really permanent marker in the relationship, right? That's not something you can just back out of, right? So again, I would say you just need to be really careful. Um, and you need to, people say, don't take it so seriously. And I agree with them in the, when you're just seeing people phase. Right. I agree with him when you're just beginning to see people. Don't take it seriously then. But once you've been, you know, um, seeing somebody for quite a while and, uh, things have progressed and you really like this person. In fact, it's, it's more than really like you've fallen in love with this person. You think they're smoking and hot. You know, they're a believer. You know, they have the goal of marriage. You know, they're going to want to build a family. Those are the big, big check marks, right? Once they've passed all those check marks and you know that you would marry this person, that's when you need to enter a, a courtship with him, right? A, a, it's really more like engagement in a sense. Um, I think that would work a lot better, but let's continue with what he says. You're interviewing each other for the job. If you approach it dating that way, it will significantly reduce your options. That's for sure. But as we've seen, that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
There was a little bit of a delayed reaction, but finally yesterday, uh, Tuesday, the, the usual suspects decided to be offended by my show on Monday, where we talked about, among other things, the perils of modern dating. And as you might recall, during the course of that conversation, I observed that one of the myriad problems with the dating scene is that there are far too many options which are arranged far too conveniently and superficially on dating apps for you to scroll through like you're shopping for a mate on Amazon or something. We uh, covered that, his uh, views on that, as well as my reaction to it in the last episode, for those of you who are interested in that. We've talked about the familiar uh, irony of, of modern life where the surplus of choices tends to paralyze us. It breeds indecision and anxiety. You know, you're afraid to pick one thing because you're aware that there are a million other options. How can you know that this is the right one? Why not just hold out for the next one and the one after that and the one after that forever? Now, I'm far from the first person to point this out. As much as I'd like to take credit for the insight, I certainly can't. The paradox of choice is something that many cultural critics and analysts have noticed over the years. In fact, one of them wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice about this very problem, specifically as it relates to consumers. Another book that touches on these themes, which I read a few months ago, is called uh, The World Beyond Your Head by Matthew Crawford, which I highly recommend. And he talks about how craftsmen will use a strategy called jigging, which intentionally limits or constrains their environment so that they can work in a more focused and efficient way. Hi, guys. This is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. So again, we see the, the paradox. Limitations can be freeing in that they enable you to accomplish one particular task, achieve one particular goal in an environment specifically and specially designed for it. What we find is that in a world without limitation where everyone can do everything, nobody ends up doing anything. I think this is part of the story with dating. I also mentioned, as one brief aside, that arranged marriages, which is a system that has been in place historically in many cultures, uh, that exists on the opposite end of this spectrum. They are the extreme antithesis of our current approach to dating. I said that even that, even arranged marriages, would be preferable to our current system. And not too surprisingly, that is the one single sentence in a 14-minute discussion of dating that the left has latched onto. So first, Media Matters published their urgent headline, Daily Wire host endorses arranged marriages. It is without a doubt superior to our system. That's quoting me. Then uh, my good friend Jason Campbell over at Media Matters posted the clip to Twitter, and from there, some of the left-wing blogs and YouTube channels picked it up. And um, as a consequence of all of this, my inbox this morning was full of some very interesting commentary, much of it revolving around the theme that I am a horrible, backwards, archaic caveman, and I deserve to die a painful and humiliating death. Which, by the way, guys, I would say that a lot of people do react like that when you talk start talking about the positive benefits of arranged marriages. But when you really think about it, there is a right way to do that. It's just that it often in the past has been done in an incorrect way for the incorrect reasons. And therefore, whenever you say the word arranged marriage, people freak out and they think you're talking about some, you know, archaic form of pairing people off against their will. And really what that's referring to is not pairing people off against their will, but actually providing them an opportunity um, if they would like to take it. And here's how I would define it. Well, arranged marriages, when it's done right, is two families making a match. You know, it can be done as early as possible. It doesn't really matter when it's done. The point is that they make a match. They the Two people can be intended for each other. And if those two individuals uh, agree 
if the, you know they've been spending time on it with one another they fall in love they think each other are super attractive they know the each other have similar visions for their life they obviously know that they're uh, both believers if they have those big boxes checked that's naturally going to happen if you're spending a lot of time with a person that you're intended for so if they fall in love what in the world is keeping you i mean great great for them right i mean it arranged marriage just absolutely works in that sense right I mean, you can say you can slam arranged marriages all you want, but they are wonderful at providing an opportunity, often with with similar like minded families and and individuals who will actually would make a great match. Right. Um, They're great at providing an opportunity in a world where fewer and fewer opportunities are actually available. Uh, Anyway, fewer opportunities that are actually the good kind of opportunities are available. So you can't, you can, you can knock arranged marriages all you want, but there's really something to them. Now I would draw the line at you may not, arranged marriages become harmful to both families and individuals and couples and spouses when they're enforced without consideration for the people in the marriage. So for example, if you are, if two individuals were intended for each other and they did not fall in love, they did not care about each other. They did not agree with the, each other's vision. They were, did not find each other physically attractive, attractive in any way. And the families pushed the marriage anyway. They insisted that the marriage take place anyway. That is where arranged marriages are not a good thing, right? But, but the, my point is there is a correct way of doing arranged marriages. So uh, when, when you mention the word arranged marriages, though, everybody in any positive light, any, everybody's obviously going to, um, react to that because they read Jane Austen novels, you know, but the, really we need to consider what's happening here. You need to look at the state of what's going on and then you need to make a decision about how to fix the problems that we're seeing in the modern dating scene. Arranged marriages fixes a massive number of that problem those problems if if it is done right. Now if it is done wrong, it can also introduce other problems, right? Other very serious problems. So you have to be aware of that, you have to be careful of that. But my point is uh, simply pointing out the benefits of arranged marriage as a pathway uh, is not is not a sin at all in any sense in fact i think it's very wise and we can also um you know look at arranged marriages just historically um not all of them have been um, very sad now there have been a lot of them who were who were not not great relationships and again you can trace those directly back to the fact that the two people didn't want to be married in the first place they were getting married for the wrong reason so i would say that um we need to look to the past for wisdom. I say this a lot. Look to the past for wisdom. Get everything we can. Suck it dry of all the wisdom that we possibly can. And then also be uh, listen to the voice of the Spirit, who is infinite wisdom, to make new adaptations to what we do, right? So let's continue what, with what Matt Walsh says here. So really just your average Wednesday, I suppose. Of course, contrary to the claims made by my critics here, I, I didn't say that arranged marriages are the best option, just that they're better than our current system, which I'll say again because it's true. I also think that literally anything would be better than our current system. A national lottery pulling names out of a hat and pairing couples up that way would be better. (laughs) You could have someone, in fact, I'll volunteer for this job. You could have someone just walk down the street and point to random people like you, marry her. (laughs) You two, get married. And that would be better. Which speaks not to the wisdom of that alternative, but to the disastrous nature of our modern approach. Hmm. Best system, the one that I actually do advocate for, is, as I said, courtship. You might call that dating with a purpose, goal-oriented dating, whatever label you want to put on it. The point is that couples begin dating with the goal of marriage in mind. Now, I've been criticized quite a bit for that suggestion as well, because it is, I'm told, old-fashioned, out-of-touch, reactionary. 
And I'll gladly embrace all those labels. But one of the great advantages of the courtship system is that at the moment that either member in this partnership realizes that they cannot or do not, do not want to marry the other person, the relationship is broken off, the marital interview process is concluded, and both can now go and seek different applicants. They don't have now, here's where I would draw a firm line in the sand against Matt Walsh here. And this is uh, courtship. Again, it goes right back to what I talked to earlier. He see, he believes that courtship is something that is, it's at, one of the strengths of it is that it can be broken off. He believes that's a strength of it. I think it is the saddest thing in the world when courtships, uh, committed relationships end in any form, be that marriage, be that engagement, be that dating that was defined clearly. Um, I think we need to be a lot more careful before we even enter relationships. If you, again, I'll say this a million times on the show. If you are still having reservations about if a person is a good match for you, if you want to marry a person or not, do not enter a committed relationship with that person. It causes serious problems. And the reason is simple. When you bond things together, when you bond things together and then tear them apart, there is always damage. There is always damage to both parties, sometimes to one more than the other. Okay? And I'm talking about all kinds of damage. And so the, Matt Walsh's perspective here does not fix that problem. And I know that we live in a world where there is pain and there is no avoiding pain. That is not what I'm trying to avoid. I'm not trying to fix pain and I'm not trying to fix, and I'm, I'm not trying to remove the risk, the heart risk that people take when they pursue romance. That's not what I'm saying. There's always going to be risk, but I'm saying there's stupidity and then there's appropriate risk. There's stupidity and there's appropriate risk. Appropriate risk is being friends with a person, intentionally considering the possibility of marriage with them, going out with them, spending time with them, doing all sorts of fun things together, getting to know them as a person. Um, that is the time for finding out if you find someone physically attractive, finding out if someone is a believer, finding out if they have the same vision as you, finding out if they want a family. Those type of things need to be covered there before you even enter a relationship. Once you, once you DTR, once you define the relationship and move into something committed, that is not a time, that is not something that should be broken off. That is not something that should be broken off. You need to be careful and very intentional, aware. You need to show foresight before you even enter that relationship. And Matt Walsh doesn't seem to be addressing that. He seems to just be saying that uh, the positive of courtship is that it can just be broken off. And he doesn't seem to be drawing attention to the, the negative side effects of that approach to waste so much of their time because there is a determined end point which is either marriage or not marriage and once you realize you've 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 gotten to that point or it's going to be a marriage or you know that there's not going to be any marriage now you can move to the next phase which would be marriage or just going your separate ways well i would say that quote unquote that gotten to that point uh that should be the that point should be uh, the, when you enter the committed relationship, right? Not when you enter an engagement. That's the difference that I'm making between, that's the distinction between my, uh, my perspective and Matt Walsh's perspective. He's suggesting that courtship is not the point where you realize that somebody is quote unquote the one you want to marry, right? He's saying that's engagement or whatever the next step after courtship is. I don't think there should be a next step after courtship. I think courtship and engagement are synonyms. They're synonymous. They mean the exact same thing, right? 
So that's the difference between our perspectives here for the reasons that I mentioned earlier. And I don't think he, he, his perspective here addresses that. Now, there's no guarantee that anybody who adopts this strategy will immediately find the love of their lives and live happily ever after. Even if you get married, as we all know, that certainly is no guarantee that you'll live happily ever after. Because you have to live day by day and moment by moment. We don't live in like chunks where you can just cross some kind of threshold and announce, well, I've done this, so now the next 50 years of my life will be happy and fulfilled. doesn't work that way. If you want a happy and fulfilled life or a happy and fulfilled marriage, you have to make that choice every day and renew it the next day and the next day and the day after that forever and ever. Love is an act of will. It's a choice. It's not merely an emotion. The emotional experience of love is, if anything, a byproduct. It's not the fuel that keeps your marriage running. The fuel is the choice you both make to serve each other, sacrifice for each other, and remain loyal and faithful. This is another problem, this overemphasis on emotions, where emotions are emotional um, fulfillment on purely an emotional level is the entire point for a lot of people. That's what they think. And the problem is that emotions come and go, they ebb and flow, emotions are fleeting. And so they, they go off and they get married and they're, they're feeling the, the emotional rush, the honeymoon. We, we talk about the honeymoon and, and, uh, these days we say honeymoon and we're talking about the week long vacation that you take to Europe or a cruise or whatever. But traditionally honeymoon is a phase of marriage early on. And that's when your emotions are, are, are kicked into, uh, you know, high gear and, and all of the, those things. And there's this infatuation. And when that starts to settle down a little bit, People that are guided only by their emotions, they'll say, oh, well, I guess this wasn't the right one. In fact, I just read an article about um, uh, Pamela Anderson, who unfortunately is just divorced. I think it's her fifth husband. And for some reason, I read the, the article and it quotes her or someone familiar with her as saying that, oh, she she realized that uh, he's not the one. So she's like in her 60s now and she just left her fifth guy. Oh, because he's not the one. She's still pursuing the one. What do you, what do you think you're looking for? You're, you're looking for someone who will give you that emotional satisfaction every second of the day forever. And the moment those emotions fade away for even a moment, then you say, well, this is not the one for me. What's funny is it's really ironic here that what he, what he just described is what I think I'm preventing and what I think his courtship perspective does not prevent. Uh, when you just enter a courtship with somebody, when you're still finding out, quote unquote, when you're still exploring the waters, you know, getting your feet wet, seeing if they're a potential match for you, uh, you're very subject to a feeling change, right? <laughs> because you don't even know what you want. You don't, you don't even know what you want. And yet you're entering that level of commitment in the, in the, in the approach that I am proposing, you decide this is the person that I'm going to marry. And then you move forward with that. You move towards the goal of marriage together. It's very simple. And that is a perspective that is not subject to feeling changes. Guys, there's nothing that makes me more sick than people who cannot figure out what they want than people who refuse to commit, than people who refuse to draw a line and say, this is what I'm doing, and then follow through with that. Guys, if you cannot first aim and then actually pursue a goal, you will not get anywhere in life, anywhere at all. That's something that our the young generation needs to figure out fast. My goodness. Um, I'll share a brief story with you here. Yesterday, I went, I was going on a date. I had a date scheduled. I drove 40 miles to a coffee shop. Um, 
a new coffee shop. I, I first of all, the the girl that I was talking to at the time. Obviously, I won't use any names here at all. Um, I don't believe in doing that. I think that's uh, tearing other people down for no reason when they might be in pain themselves. So I'm not going to use any names. But this is a the example I'm about to give you is a very poor way of going about a a, a date, uh, seeing somebody. So for example, um, I yesterday I drove. I I knew that the girl I was had been talking to for a couple of days. I think I was actually a week. Um, enjoyed coffee dates. She really loved coffee dates. So I put out a poll on Facebook. I got the best coffee dates in the area of her hometown. I drove 40 miles to her hometown, um, scheduled it with her, uh, picked a time that was convenient for her. So she said, great, see you there. Uh, sounds like fun. So excited. Um, that works for me. Something like that. So I go all the way down there. Uh, she's late, she, which is already, that's not a great sign. If you're late for a first date, I mean, that shows that the effort is not there. But I get it. Things happen. So don't always make that a blanket statement of so, if somebody's late for a date, um, you know, they did something wrong. That's not really always true. So there could have been traffic. There could have been an accident. There could have been construction. Anything could have happened. So she's late. So I thought no big deal. So I waited around uh, 30 minutes go by and she's still not st- she's still not uh, showed up um, at that point. I, I texted her, you know, hey, um. Uh, Actually, I'd already texted her before. I said, hey, I've been here. Uh, this place is really cool. I think you're really going to love it. Um, no response. 30 minutes, 30 minutes elapse. I then say, hey, um, I begin to, th- I begin to wonder, you know, is there any other coffee shop that has the same name in the area that she could have possibly gotten confused and gone to? Uh, Googled it. There's no coffee shop with that name in the area. There's no confusion there. Uh, checked the time, make sure I made sure I had the right time and day. We, I was at the, there at the right time and day. Uh, and so then that leaves only one option. Uh, my messages are going through. I do have cell service. So she is not responding because she is standing me up. She is standing me up after I've driven 40 miles. After I've gone through all this effort, she stood me up. And so I went home after about 45 minutes of waiting. Uh, and, and by the way, I never got a response from her about if I should wait or not. So boys and girls, that is an example of how to not commit to something and follow through and that and people think that they can that people think there is no consequence for their non-committal nature and their inability to actually follow through on their word and mean what they say and say what they mean but the the fact of the matter is when you do that you not only uh, heap problems on other people but you 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 create problems wherever you go your your actions have the ability to affect other people and this is where I kind of differ from Danny Silk and all these powerful people mindsets. Danny Silk really focuses on self-improvement, right? And he doesn't address the people that have been harmed by people who do not have the ability to commit. We live in a world where you are affected by the choices that other people make, regardless of how healthy you are and how powerful your mind is, you know? So boys and girls, I would say it's very, it's very important for us to, first of all, develop ourselves as healthy spouses to get all the needed skills the bare minimum of which is actually telling the truth down before we enter a committed relationship or even a date of any kind i mean there are some things that we've got to get down as a younger generation uh down pat um before we move on and that some of you might find that story shocking but i really don't because i've seen so many girls like that that are my age now that i am disturbed beyond what I can easily express at the at the at the direction our our marital health is going, uh, if we continue to um, behave in the way that we're behaving, 
guys. And I'm not just talking about girls. There are guys out there who are the exact same way. I just haven't seen them because obviously I'm not investing in, in guys in a romantic way. <laughs> so this is not a gender specific issue. This applies to both men and women. We are not behaving the way that we should in our relationships with one another. And that's the purpose of this show. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I'm going to go ahead and end the video there. I thought Matt Walsh had a lot of great points today. I was glad he provided a, pro a I'm sorry, a solution to the problems that he pointed out in the first half of the, of the video this week. Uh, I like that he did that. I appreciated that. A lot of the times I think Matt Walsh uh, points things out provides critiques but doesn't offer solutions very much so I, I appreciate that he did that this time but overall i think this video was absolutely on point he does a wonderful job he's very articulate he's very well spoken he's very confident he's what he says is on point in regards to logic common sense truth um you name it so i just love everything he says i will include the link to this video in the show notes if you're interested in watching that also if you've listened to our content and you really like what we do reach out and let us know through the link in the show notes you can send us a recorded message of your own voice uh, letting me know what you think of the show giving me questions comments um critiques guidance feedback whatever you want i love it all send, send that using the link in the show notes uh, and I greatly appreciate there. Also, if you're on social media and you would like to follow us and get our content there, you can follow us at Facebook on Facebook at Restoring Rapport and on Instagram at Restoring Rapport as well. So thank you guys so much for listening today and we will talk to you next time.